Hello, friends, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. I'm your host, Joe Webb, and this is a podcast for spiritual exiles, for all of us who are looking for faith beyond the walls and the confines and the fences of institutional religion. Thank you so much for joining us. This is episode number 61 of the podcast, and our guest for this episode is Gene Peters. Gene is the vice president of OutMOV, a LGBTQ uh, organization in the Wood County, West Virginia, and Washington County, Ohio area uh, that, that really focuses on creating events and activities for the LGBTQ community in our area. So please give a warm Accidental Tomatoes welcome to my good friend, Gene Peters. It is so easy to feel isolated in a community when you're a minority, but there truly are more loving and accepting folks here than you might initially anticipate. Well, hi, friends, and welcome to another new episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast. And I'm really excited to introduce our guest for this episode. My friend, Gene Peters, is here. Gene, welcome to Accidental Tomatoes. You and I have been talking about this for some time uh, to have you on. Gene is the vice president of OutMOV, which is uh, a, a local nonprofit in our local area, the, the Parkersburg, West Virginia, Marietta, Ohio area um, that that organizes um, all kinds of events and things for the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, Jean, thanks for being here. Why don't you introduce yourself to the folks, please? Thanks so much for having me, Joe. My name is Jean Peters, and I'm the vice president. I'm a founding member and original president of OutMOV, which is an LGBTQ organization um, based in the Mid-Ohio Valley, serving both Wood County, West Virginia, and Washington County, Ohio. And we focus on social, educational, and community events for the LGBTQ plus community. That's us in a nutshell, and that encompasses a lot of different things. It does, because you all are so active uh, here in our local area. And I, I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about some local events, but I also want to talk about like why that's important to a broader audience, not just because a lot of our listeners obviously, you know, don't live here, you know, within 10 miles of each other like you and I do. Um, but, um, but I think the work you're doing is important and, um, and really c- can be a blueprint or, or can help, uh, other folks find in their own areas. Um, similar organizations to get involved with. So we're going to talk uh, about all of that. So you you mentioned in your in your introduction that OutMOV is uh, a nonprofit and LGBTQ plus organization that provides social and educational and community events and activities. So why let's just dive right into that to start with. Why is why is it important to have uh, an organization that's really focused on these kinds of like events and activities? What what's What's sort of the the big picture purpose for that? Um, I think it's true everywhere that we need to find our own communities and that uplift us and that support us and that um, align with our values and give us a place to be, right? To be safe, to be who we are authentically. And it's probably especially crucial in the LGBTQ community in rural areas like ours. Yeah. Because it's much harder to... um, feel that you have that sense of support and that sense of community. And I realized that I've lived here since 1998, but really started getting active in things about six years ago and realized that we didn't have 
a huge sense of community, of belonging. And I think there have been in the past organizations that have worked on that and they wax and they wane. And um, it's hard work to do. It's um, it's not easy to build community. It's not easy to sustain that for any kind of organization or identity group. Um, but it's really critical. And for me and for out MOV, and I think I can speak for the board when I say this, for us, it's very important that we are visible and we are present and we are presenting opportunities for our community to come together so that younger people see us, see representation, see people like themselves and people who support them and know that they are loved and valued. Because as we know, the attack on LGBTQ youth right now is at an kind of an all-time high. Yeah. So yeah. we really want to make sure that kids know, young people know that we're here for them and that there's a whole array of people who are here for them. We work closely with so many allies and we have members of our board are LGBTQ community members and they're also allies on our board because we recognize the value of coming together in that way. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, one of the things that struck me, you know, as I've been obviously watching the work you do and participating in some of the events um, that we've had here locally is is what a strong uh, component these events are in the larger sort of scope of community building. Right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Why are why are events and activities like these, you know, social events, educational events, all of those things? Why is that so crucial to community building? Do you think? Well, for the LGBTQ community, um, community events are go back to our very roots, right? Um, starting with the Stonewall Rebellion, right. the Stonewall Riots, and um, moving forward, we learned that things like parades and gatherings and um, visible community spaces were really important from the beginning because we are a minority population. And we are shuttled to the side a lot of times. So this has been at the root of our, um, our community's existence for decades and decades now. And um, it has become ever more important. And I think that the pandemic has taught us all a lot about community and what it looks like and the different forms it can take and why gatherings are important and why their absence is felt critically, mm, in my yeah. opinion. Um, We've lived in this Zoom world as we're doing right now. Right. And I mean, it's been fascinating to find out how much we can do without being in person. But what I think we have also found out is the, the lack of human touch and human connection, actual physically being in the same space with each other matters. It matters yeah. a great deal. And so we were thrilled last year that we were in one of those windows of time when it felt safe enough for us all to gather that we could have pride in the park last year in June at Parkersburg city park and had an incredible attendance. And the response from people was so uplifting because they had missed each other and they had missed people. They didn't know, you yeah. know, in every one of these events, what we have is people who get to meet new people, um, community members who, haven't ever connected before who become friends who get to have that sense of family and it was so heartwarming for me to see all these people come together in a place that felt safe and they felt loved and they felt connected and they had been maybe sitting at home feeling disconnected from the community during that first period of the pandemic 
Um, and then we were able to do the same in the holidays. We had a window where it felt reasonably safe and we had a holiday get together and party. And that was fun for the people who could have come. And um, I think that there is something very real about being able to look into somebody's eyes in real life, in real time, and letting them know that they matter to you, you know, and that yeah. they're your family. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, and I want to talk a little bit more specifically about your Pride in the Park event here um, in a couple of minutes. I, as I was just listening to you there, what you were saying really resonated with me as um, as someone who leads a faith community for people um, who have felt marginalized by, you know, organized and institutional religion. That's kind of the reason this podcast even exists right. is because we keep finding there's more and more of us out there that are like, we, there's, there's parts of that that we still want to um, hold on to that have meaning for us. But then there's other parts that have been so harmful and so toxic. And certainly folks in the LGBTQ community have experienced a lot. I think I remember the first time you and I met, we had this long conversation <laughs> about like where our faith kind of fit into all of this stuff. Um, but I think, you know, I think there are some parallels to be drawn. Um, not, not that we can ever put, you know, as an ally, I can't put myself in your shoes, but I think it helps us when I hear you say some of the things you were saying about togetherness and community and, and being together in the same place in physical presence. I think that re resonates with a lot of folks, right? Who, um, on the ally side of it, especially and, and for folks who are trying to, to hold on to some sort of faith community um, in the mm -hmm. midst of you know a global pandemic and all of that too. Yeah. Well, um, I will say that I don't think that um, the LGBTQ community or the faith community or any um, particular community has suffered more than others in this regard. I mean, I, I know that it's been a stressful period for all kinds of organizations and grassroots activism and, um, a lot of us have rethunk, rethunk, have had to rethink our role and um, our activities and our commitments and so forth. And I think we're in this period of readjusting, right? Mm -hmm. um, went to a, a, a big event over the weekend for another nonprofit here in West Virginia. And I've been previously to this annual event, and I would say the attendance was down significantly, not because people aren't still supporting that organization, don't still believe in it and don't want to be a part of it, but because they have health concerns or they don't feel safe being in a, in a large gathering, although it was very well managed. The ventilation was incredible to the point of being cold. Um, and, but, and there's also, I think, been a tendency for some of us to pull inward a lot more, you know, and be more introspective. I know there has for me, I have the luxury of having my own business and determining how much contact I have with the public. And so um, fairly risk averse when it comes to health issues because of dealing with some of my own. And so I think that we're at this moment where now we're all going, okay, well, that was the last two years. And what did that mean for me? But also, what did it mean for my community? And what does it look like to move forward? Yeah, yeah. So recognizing we can do these virtual things and they work in a lot of ways and they help, but I don't think they're completely sufficient for the work that we do in building our communities. Yeah, and I, I think that's true, especially for, for marginalized communities like the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. um, how do you how do you feel that that the role of an organization like Out MOV 
um, what kind of role, I guess, is what I want to say, does that play in not just in community building, but in the bigger scope of like just inclusion and justice and liberation and sort of these bigger kind of existential issues? Um, I think out MOV is always looking for the intersections. We're always looking for the places where we can lift up other communities that are marginalized um, and other ways that we can be not only allies within our own community, because it's a little confusing to people maybe who aren't a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, but we have lots of um, groups within our community. We have lots of identities under this big umbrella right. that we live under, right? And so we seek to be as fully inclusive of everyone under that umbrella for sure. And that's not always true inside our communities. Unfortunately, there can be some gatekeeping. There can be some um, prioritizing of one identity over another. And from the beginning, it has been very crucial for us to try to have as much representation by as many folks as possible, but also to seek them out and understand how we can help uplift their voices, not speak over them, but uplift their voices, help convey their messages, to do the same for other social justice issues, to um, work with organizers of Black Lives Matter, for instance, to make sure that we're helping get their message amplified. Um, all of those different things are crucial for us as a group because we understand that none of us are free until all of us are yeah, free. If we yeah. want to talk about liberation and if we want to talk about social justice, we don't exist in a lane all by ourselves. We try not to, to take over other people's lanes for sure, but yeah, but none of us are an Island. Um, you know, and if, if we're not taking care of the needs of BIPOC people, if we're not taking care of the needs of women, if we're not taking care of the needs of other groups that have been shunted aside, then we're not doing justice to our own community either because yeah, we're, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, oh, I think that's so important. Um, and I, and I think one of the things that me and my other cis white, you know, heterosexual men <laughs> try the, the conversations that we've been trying to have as we've been trying to become more enlightened is um, a lot of times our job is just to shut up <laughs> And get out of the way. You know, I say that as I'm hosting this podcast, but, but, you know, but, but there is a sense of, you know, how can we take our platforms and make them available um, rather than dominating our own platforms? And I, you know, I, I'm convinced um, as a father of, of two young women, um, one of whom is, is a queer woman, um, I, I've got to, to learn to let other people take the lead. And I think what you just described, I think is, is a helpful, um, reminder, you know, when we talk about all of these various intersections that we all live in, um, that, that sometimes the best thing some of us who have been in privileged and majority positions can do is to, to get out of the way and let other people lead because you, you understand so well, so much better than we do. Um, what other folks are going through, even if, even if it's not your identity, right? Because you've lived in that community. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I'm becoming increasingly aware of the need of not just our organization, but people in the LGBTQIA community 
to really examine our, our own intersections away because I'm, I'm a cis white woman, I'm a lesbian, but I can't speak for the experience of my trans friends and family right. members. I have to look to them for that leadership. I can't speak for the experience of BIPOC members of the LGBTQIA community. And I'm also, I've been working on issues of economic justice in various ways, myself personally for several years, maybe longer than that. But I'm becoming increasingly aware of the need for us as a community to look at issues of economic equity. Um, I'm becoming increasingly aware for us as a community to look at issues of substance use disorder, which is probably overwhelmingly presented in our community. Economic in, economic issues are very crucial to our community. And people tend to think of the queer community as somehow economically privileged because they have looked through a lens of cis white men mm. who maybe oftentimes had double incomes. So they had double white male incomes. Good. Right. Um, yeah. But that's not our whole picture. So we have a lot of economic disparity. We have, you know, two women households raising families who are struggling, which is something we have to look at. We have to look at higher rates of substance use disorder than we might see in the general population, because I think for members of our community, um, self-medication sometimes happens, you know, mm. um, and no judgment there. But right, we right. have to be aware and we have to be loving and kind to the members of our community and help to look at those things. And in a similar way, I just had a fascinating conversation at that meeting I was at this week with someone who works on um, issues of justice around incarceration. OK, and the disparities in incarceration. And he threw out a figure at me that I didn't even know, which he said that 35 to 42 percent of currently incarcerated people identify as LGBTQIA. Wow. Now, I was stunned and I haven't had a chance to fact check it. So let me just be real clear. This was just what sure. I heard and I, sure. I should yeah. probably check it. But I knew that we were I knew that we were disproportionately represented. I knew, for instance, that trans folks are really really disproportionately misrepresented in the carceral system. And so now I have something new that I want to investigate and that I want to bring back to our board and see how we look at that issue and how we participate in some ways. And I think, and I, and I think this is something that you're speaking to, Joe, that when you're on the margins, you're very often on the margins in more than one way, right? Right, right. And that's where that intersectionality kind right. of amplifies some of these things, right? Right. Because none of us are a one-dimensional person. I'm not just a lesbian. I'm not just a white woman. You know, I'm other things too. What are my other identities and and other life circumstances? And some of them are common to our community and some of them are very individual and specific. But. Right, right. That's so, uh, it, this is also interesting. I, I, um, I just to kind of shift gears, um, just a little bit. I, I was looking over your website as I was preparing for our interview because I, I, well, I wanted to see what you had on Pride that we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, Pride in the Park. But I also noticed you've got, um, a, a place on there for what you're calling the Open MOV Initiative. And, um, I, I was really interested in that because, um, you know, you're forming up some some partnerships with businesses and other 501c3s. And I just wondered if you could take a second to talk about that, because that feels like a way that maybe folks could get involved and support, even if they may not be like local people that, that want to support your organization. 
absolutely. Open MOV is an initiative we started um, during one of those moments when we thought the world was reopening and then yeah. <laughs> it happened. So we're moving along, not um, we're moving along gradually and incrementally in this. But Open MOV is an initiative to bring organizations and businesses on board who want to proudly display to their clientele, to their um, to those they serve, to those they sell to, to whatever people are interact with their business or entity, that they support an inclusive community, that they support full inclusivity, that they won't be discriminatory against people in the LGBT community. They won't be discriminatory on the basis of race or age or ability. We don't want to support ableism, (laughs) all of those things so that people can say, we want to be a part of this. We want people when they come to the door of our business to know we're here for everyone. We're open in the MOV. And we're not going to discriminate and we're going to treat you with the respect and dignity that any person deserves. So that's the basis behind it. And people who want to get involved in Open MOV can simply reach out to us on our website, which is outmov.org or message us through Facebook at OutMOV. And we will get together with you. There's a really brief statement that you signed that's really very self-evident and then we will meet with you to get you a sticker so that you can put it up so that you can let our community know and the whole community know we support everyone here. We're not going to exclude anyone from our business or our services. I, I just think that's such a brilliant way of, um, of, of integrating the whole of a community um, in, in, into, uh, I guess, a movement um, for maybe for lack of a better term um, that to, to show folks that it's not just your organization that's doing this work, right? But that your mission is shared among, you know, the business community and, you know, other nonprofits um, in the area that, that share these values, right? Right. There are more of us than people might think. Um, It's easy to feel, and this is, again, is why community events and physical gatherings are so important. It is so easy to feel isolated in a community when you're a minority, but there truly are more loving and accepting folks here than you might initially anticipate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so any mes- any way that we can help that message be conveyed to people who might just randomly encounter a business or organization is important. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, I love it. I think it's such such a great initiative um, and and glad to be able to, to help you kind of get the word out. about. Yeah. That. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about pride in the park. That's um, that's your big event. You're kind of your main big event for the year. I know you do lots of other things, but um, you've got that scheduled coming up in June and um, I'm, I'm going to let you tell the story. <laughs> okay. Well, this will be our second pride in, pride in the park event. It's going to be Saturday, June 4th, Parkersburg city park band shell area. And it will start at noon and run to four. We're going to have live music. By so I can't give you all the names yet, but we are going to have some fantastic <laughs> music. Um, as we did last year, we're going to have um, a lot of nonprofits represented. This is one thing that's really key to us is to get nonprofits to come to the park and set up so that they can interact with our community and talk about the services they can provide to our community and also how members of our community can interact with them and perhaps volunteer with them, get involved. Uh, for instance, we have um, foster agencies who come and talk about fostering children, and I think that's um, very exciting. I'm old enough to remember when we were not welcome to foster children or adopt children. So that change has been 
enormous for members of our community who want to help children and who want to raise children because those foster agencies also work along with the adoption path when that's appropriate. So we like to have those organizations. We have organizations that work on issues like substance use disorder. We have environmental organizations that come. We have, um, we've had the great pleasure of having the new wineskins there. So we have organizations that represent faith communities there. We, um, I am leaving out so many different groups. Um, Planned Parenthood comes. This year we'll have Holler Health Justice as well. So we'll be talking about re reproductive health issues. Um, all of those organizations that help our community be become healthier, that help our help members of our community know where they can go for resources, um, because it's not always readily apparent to us where we can turn for resources. You know, do you know that you can go to Planned Parenthood for health care? You absolutely can. And it's a wonderful resource. But perhaps you don't know that because you've not bumped into them and you don't know that we actually have the only clinic in the state of West Virginia, Indiana, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. They provide health care. They provide health care that's important, not just to uh, people with uteruses. They provide very valuable health care to trans people because they can help with HRT. They provide health care that encompasses PrEP. So, for instance, that's an important organization to have there to spread to our community. Right. Yeah. But it also helps highlight all these intersections because all these communities work in their own little arena. And so we bring them together. And we have found that it's just a fabulous way to get people interacting face to face, as we said. So that'll be a big part of it. Um, we hope to have a large art component this year, still fine tuning the details there, but we're hoping for an art exhibit and some interactive art um, happening. Cool, um, cool. Yeah, we're going to have food trucks this year. So folks can eat the yummies from Jimmy Avocados and Rubio's and some others. Wow. Nice. And, um, nice. And just really come out and be yourself. June is Pride Month. And so we're kicking it off early on the first weekend in June on the 4th. Um, and it has a really important historical significance for our community because it is June is when the riots started at the Stonewall. Right. And in New York City. And although there were riots before that, and although our community certainly had a very long history before that, that is kind of the defining moment where, or you know, communities took it up and said, this will be the month that we celebrate and we recognize who we are as a community. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity to just come out and be your authentic self. Yeah. So. Yeah. Speaking as someone who, who participated last year, uh, you know, of course we were, we were coming out of a year plus of pandemic. And I think that was like the first thing that happened in our area um, that people really felt safe going to. And I, I, I told so. several people afterwards, like as an extrovert, the pandemic has been a nightmare for me. And so when, when Pride in the Park happened last year, my, my whole extrovert self got to be, <laughs> you know, got to be right. there and, and just, you know, interacting with so many different people and meeting so many really amazing folks there uh, is such a, such a great event. So, I mean, so, and obviously that's a big event for those of us who live here in this, um, this local area, Washington County, Ohio, Wood County, West Virginia. Um, are there ways that folks who live outside of this area might be able to participate? Yeah, I mean, obviously you could come, right? you, you could travel right. and, and attend, but are there other ways that folks could participate if they don't live here in this local area? Um, you can always interact with us on our Facebook page. And we also have TikTok. We have Instagram. We have um, 
I, we really don't do much with YouTube. Um, you can interact with us in those spaces and have conversations with us. Um, of course, we're always open to donations. We certainly won't turn those down. We are a completely volunteer organization and we rely completely upon donations. Um, and you can find the link for that at outmov.org, um, the link to our donation page. And um, we are always planning new events so that we can interact with folks from different areas. Over the pandemic, we had, for instance, a book club that met remotely. Um, and we, I, we did one or two books and then they're just, we shifted on to other things. But we hope in the future to do more things like that where we can bring in people from, and we have people participating from Morgantown and Huntington and Charleston and the Eastern Panhandle. So we had folks from all over on that. Um, so we like that kind of interaction, hope to see more of it in the future. And, you know, also there's been this real um, explosion of LGBTQ organizations around West Virginia and around Appalachia in general over the yeah, last yeah. five years or so. So that it used to be that there was one pride celebration every year in Charleston and, they, and Rainbow Pride still does an incredible party. But we are now to the point where there are multiple celebrations in West Virginia on every Saturday in the month of June. Yeah. So I think that if you can't connect with us, I encourage you to connect with other organizations in your area too, because everyone is doing really important work to bring communities together and grow communities. Yeah. That one of the things that I thought was really cool last year was, um, you know, we, we've got these, these pride events and organizations all over West Virginia, um, you know, where we had our new wineskins um, tent set up the Morgantown pride group was right next to us, you know, and, right. and so we got to make friends with them and have some really, really cool conversations with them. It's, it's such an amazing, uh, maybe, maybe accidental tomatoes will do a, a, a Facebook live or something while we're there to, to just kind of open up the space for folks that, uh, that may be listening that, that don't happen to live here in our local area. One more thing that I want to shout out on, because I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the ACLU of West Virginia will be there again this year. And the ACLU of West Virginia has started um, what is kind of a nationally recognized thing that is so cool. Two years ago, spearheaded by Molly Kennedy, who's a staff member, they started something called the Appalachian Queer Youth Summit. And it's a program that's open to, um, I believe it starts sophomore year, juniors, seniors, and those who have just graduated from high school. The first year was completely remote because they were planning it and oops, COVID hit. So we they did the whole program remotely and I participated in it a bit. Last year, they had their first camp. It's actually a camp held in the summer where um, queer youth can go and be with other queer youth and they can strategize on ways to um, not just support their community, but make change in their community, mm -hmm. ways that they can go back to their schools and their communities and they can start to affect change on behalf of other LGBTQIA people, on behalf of marginalized folks. It's tremendously powerful. These young people, I had the opportunity to spend a day with them last year at their camp and was absolutely blown away wow. by these young people and their plans and their vision and their self-awareness and what they want to give to the world and bring back. And it's just outstanding. They will be having their camp again this year. Three days were not enough. So they now have a five-day camp wow. plan for the first week in August. So if you know young people or you are young people in that age range and you want to connect with them, they will be there talking about the camp. And I'll just tell you, you can go to the website of ACLU West Virginia and the applications are already open for that camp. 
I cannot say enough good things. The people who run it are such genuine, good-hearted, wonderful folks. And the youth who participated last year, I, I had the opportunity to recently meet with them again, and they are just continuing on in their fabulousness and bringing things to their communities. And it gives me so much hope to see a new generation taking up the work and spreading it back out again and giving back. It's phenomenal. So I do want to give them a plug. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Molly Kennedy, if you're listening, um, future accidental tomatoes appearance, maybe. Um, We may have to, we have to, I think we might have to make that happen. Yeah. Well, Gene, thanks. This this has really been um, such a great conversation. Um, so grateful uh, to to have you with us today um, to to talk about all of the great work that Out MOV is doing. Are there any other um, any other projects or events coming up that uh, that folks should be um, looking out for? Or yeah. is all of your focus right now on Pride in the Park until right, right at the moment, until June fifth? Yeah. Right. I do want to encourage folks though. One more thing to go on to our website, at, or actually easier to get to from our Facebook page, which is just Out MOV. And we have um, linked our volunteer sign up for the event Pride in the Park on June 4th. We would love to have anybody volunteer. Our commitment is just a two hour shift. So it's not an onerous all day. If it turns hot, you don't have to sweat all day long. (laughs) Um, But it's really fun. I mean, the volunteers last year had a blast because they got to interact with so many people. So two hour commitment will get you a T-shirt. We'll have a meeting in advance of that so that we can all meet up and and connect a bit and build some community before we go build the bigger community. But we would love to have anybody who wants to to volunteer. There's no requirement other than being able to give two hours of your time on that Saturday. That's excellent. Excellent. And I'll make sure uh, we'll include links for all of that for your website in the show notes for for this episode thank you so much and joe thank you so much for having me it's always oh thank you oh thank you and and i'm sorry i'm sorry that it took so long (laughs) to to make this happen because i know you and i've kind of been having this conversation for about a year maybe but i wanted to have you on here so um thanks thanks for being available thanks for all the amazing work that you're doing um not just for the lgbtq community in our area but for our our, the broader community here i think everything you do is so important um for for all of us um that that live in this area or interact with folks in this area um so i'm I'm really grateful to everything that you're doing thank you so much joe take good care and i know i'll be seeing you in june if not before amen to that yes all right right, thanks gene bye-bye thank you bye-bye well, thanks again to my friend Gene for such uh, an insightful and informative interview. Um, really grateful to have Gene on this episode of the podcast and to hear about all of the great things that are happening without MOV. And once again, you can find all of the links that Gene shared in the show notes for this episode. As always, if you are interested in all of the content that we are creating and curating for the Accidental T- Tomatoes community, you can find us online at accidentaltomatoes.com. And across the social media world, you can find us at Accidental Tomatoes. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, for topics or guests that you'd like to hear from, please reach out to us uh, again through our social media or our website, or you can send us an email at accidentaltomatoes at gmail.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. And if you'd like to support the work that we're doing at Accidental Tomatoes, you can donate through Patreon, where your support helps us to offset some of the expenses of producing content for our community. Just go to patreon.com slash Accidental Tomatoes to learn more. So until next time, keep on growing outside the fences and join us again for another episode of the Accidental Tomatoes podcast.